from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Revolution is back. It never stops. And when I say we, I just mean me and you. Yeah. The originals. Rebecca. Well, you're really the original, but. Well, that's true. <laughs> but but nobody wants a part of what it was when I was by myself. You had a, right. You, they had a taste yes. a couple weeks back when both you idiots were gone. <laughs> and uh, it was. Uh, they sent it back uh, to the kitchen. Listen, pod. Listen, I set podcasting back four years. Because it's only like eight years old, I guess. <laughs> but I you know. gain a new respect for the people that do podcasts by themselves. Or radio or anything. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. These people, I don't I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're both here. Well, me too. And I'm not glad Rebecca's not here. Did that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to compliment, not... <laughs> okay. I, I put that weirdly. Well, I am excited to be here. I'm fired up. Yeah. Tennis season's over. Finally, finally it's over, right? The women's season. Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought we were going to have a vacation. Although for me, the women's season ended three months ago when they switched to BN, but we talked about that last right. week. <laughs> as soon as the U.S. Open said, thought, all right, we're done. I thought they were on strike. I didn't know that there was still a, <laughs> still a uh, uh, tennis going on. Oh, in honor of the Battle of the Sexes movie, they went on strike. <laughs> but yes, I know there were a, a handful of people that got to see it this week. Oh, good God. I was one of them. Yeah. And you know what I did see? This is why Rebecca bailed. Yeah. You know why she bailed? Because you were right. You got that right, baby. <laughs> She was, so I looked up, I did look up the scores. She lost four games in her first five sets that she played. She How rolled. does she do that? Because she's awesome. She's not an aggressive player. How does she, she dominate? She gained a lot of confidence from my pick. When she, when <laughs> she, she was, said, if he has faith in me, I can beat anyone. Well, first of all, don't bury the lead. She listens to the podcast, clearly, <laughs> because right. nobody else, probably, literally no one else on the planet Except maybe her parents and her dog, <laughs> right? Picked her to win. Yeah, she beat my pick six two six zero. So that was uh, who was your well, pick? Svitolina. Oh, good. Who pick. I've been picking all year. Good pick. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even make the semis. Thank God you're on a podcast about tennis. <laughs> she did beat Halep, I have to say. So she got one good sure, win. Sure, but who but, didn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, you know. So this goes back to our. So Wozniacki would be number one in the world if we said our system was in place, where the winner of this. Is number one in the world. Right. So. Right. Well, listen, um, it's not the way we want it to be, of course. Yeah. But I think this match, or this match, this tournament did what, what we talked about last week. It gives, it gives the top players who maybe arrived at their ranking in the world without maybe seeing each other a lot. Right. And then it gives you a chance to, hey, let's play each other a lot. So, if... Everything would have fallen a little bit differently during the season. Wozniacki could have played all these players in Grand Slam fl- right. finals, and she would have been a champion. No way, because <laughs> she's lost to all these players except <laughs> right here, right in Singapore, Singapore, because of my pick. Well, and was it a slow court? Because that's the only thing I can think of that would have helped her. Well, when I was hitting on it, um, <laughs> no, I mean that's what you know, like BG tennis. They were Nation. saying it was slow. At BG Tennis Nation, by the way. There I got to throw go. him a shout out every time because he retweeted us <laughs> right. once. Didn't help a lot, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's because he's not popular. No. People love him. Yeah. But it's just he tweets two days. He's tweeting about the Raiders score today, and I won't say any scores because I know you're uh, a dumb Cowboys fan. <laughs> I did see that terrible uh, game. The Raiders? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you Raiders. So he's, he's tweeting Raiders scores every eight seconds, and so the mo- most important tweet that comes to him is about retweeting our podcast probably got buried immediately. gets buried exactly yeah. he needs to pin it i think that's a thing you can oh, pin yeah? it yeah like you're like you know it's your best girl you know you're in high <laughs> nice. school there you go i don't even know what that's some 50s yeah. shit right there i think um no but it gave it like i said the thing i liked about it the the uh, year end uh, bnp paraba of wta finals is you get to see matchups that maybe didn't happen during the season to really get a little bit more of a fine point on who the top eight are and what order they should be in. Yeah. And it looks like Wozniacki uh, should be one. <laughs> well, and yeah, we were joking about, you know, BN last week, but I thought it was kind of sad that Venus, you know, in 
presumably her last ever year end final final is on that obscure you know network that no one's probably saw. I wish that was on ESPN or even the Tennis Channel at least, so people could have seen yeah. that opportunity for her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. First of all. It's on because it's in Singapore, and they're like 47 right. hours, 19 <laughs> days, and a week and a half ahead of us. Yeah. Or behind us. I was confused that it was already over this morning. I was like, wait, it's, it's Sunday. just started. Yeah. Um, so it, I don't think it doesn't matter which. It could be on you know, That's ABC. Good point. It doesn't matter. Nobody's <laughs> going to watch it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, – yeah, BN's a problem. That's the WTA's fault. But again, that may be that – may be, um, in some areas, it may be, but probably not. Right. And well, probably. maybe just not in America. If right. they're trying to expand the global market, I guess. But just wait. What you didn't mention is that we were both right. And and, and, and what was that? I picked Hingis to lose in doubles, which neither of you did. Well, listen. <laughs> that, and that's not the story. Um, it's a sad day. <laughs> because the back half of this year, I was really clinging, clinging on to Hingis as a doubles player. I was so excited. Yeah, she was killing everyone. And she retires. Yeah. I think Oh, she, see, I didn't even know this. I think she also must listen to the podcast and she felt I was a little maybe a little stalkery uh for her taste. So she said, I'm out. Well and do you think that's why she lost? Possibly. Because it had to be on her mind. Possibly. She I don't knew know. that was her last event. Right, maybe. I don't know. Is she going to play world team tennis? Isn't that next kind of a year? weird event to go out on? I mean, wouldn't I would feel like you would go out after winning both events in the U.S. Open than to go out in the year end? Well, yeah, but I mean, that's the the you know the cherry on top, so to speak, right. is this tournament. So why not? Yeah, and I guess when you reach the point of her, whether she's already done everything, I mean, what, there's nothing else more she can win. So I kind of understand why she's retiring. But at the same time, what's she going to do? She's not too old to play doubles. Well, listen, Wozniacki is a Hingis type player right. is younger, so you know I, I don't think Hingis could do it in singles, but it just goes to show you that a high level of skill without some of the big hitters in the game right now, um, you know Serena in particular, right? That uh, some things are open, and so in doubles she proved it at, at Grand Slams this year. Well, and wasn't Yaki rolled over the big hitters in this too? I mean, Pliskova's a big hitter, and she just crushed her. So it's it it you know if they have an off day, Wozniacki's always going to win because she's never has an off day. She's just consistent no matter what. Right for the most part, yeah. yeah. And she, you know, one thing that uh, you know having Serena out is even her sister is not the level of competitor that Serena is. Right. Serena will find a way to get big shots in, and as a matter of fact, she'll even dial it back and start grinding a little bit. Right. Whereas her sister doesn't do that. Venus doesn't do that as much, and and. I think Venus relies on her, serve, on her serve a lot more, and she was just spraying forehands to, you know, uh, I was going to say today. What I don't even know what day this <laughs> tournament was on. I'm right. so confused about, still so, so confused. <laughs> and on top of that, you're listening to this on Tuesday. Right. I don't know what the hell's going so on. So it was a week ago by the time you hear this. Maybe. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Serena, does, Serena has the dominant serve, too, and Venus' serve is not what it once was. So even when she gets it in, it's not, she's not getting a ton of free points like Serena does. Right. Well, um, yeah, it just goes to show you that uh, somebody like Wozniacki can have success, and why would she stop now? I mean, you right. know, this she said this is her biggest title yeah. of her career. Yeah, uh, you know, because she was one of those ones that was number one without ever winning a Grand Slam. People gave her, you know, heat for it, but uh, so so this is a pretty big a big deal for her. Well, it'll be interesting to see if she, you know, can do anything off of this. Like we talked about that with uh, you know the Open, and some of these players are doing really well. What can they can they use that to? springboard in the next year or the next big tournament well let's let's just take a look at like the u.s open finalist and again serena being out changes everything so it's not you know it's kind of like the why the cat's away um all these m- mice played and right. kind of got farther than they maybe would have but you take sloan and uh and keys what a perfect matchup for wozniacki right if, oh if, totally if they have that match against her where they you know like if keys has the match like she had against right. sloan in the finals wozniak will tear her up well i think she does have a really good record against keys i don't know about how many times she's played sloan but i know she's beaten keys several times and granted you know she was a veteran you know by the time she really got into the the bulk of of the, them playing but um i listen here's what i do like about it and believe it or not, Rebecca's really missing out on something here <laughs> because I'm about to say why I like uh, women's tennis. 
and that you can have somebody like Wozniacki who can really uh, achieve a lot. And again, Serena notwithstanding, I think Serena's different than even her sister. Serena's right. different than everyone. Yeah. Um, and but uh, but you take somebody like Wozniacki who who definitely has a grinder, you know, counterpuncher type game style, and she can obviously have success. And you don't see that in the men. I mean, we have one example of that <laughs> for the last ten years, right? And quite an example. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Quite an example. But Ferrer. You know, sort of the lone wolf out there who can who can play with a little less power and still succeed. Well, uh, I think that was the same person I was thinking of. But the thing with him is is what I've always said about players like that, and like you said, especially on the men's. But if you have to win seven matches, you're going to face somebody who's on, right? And if they're on for three sets and you're just grinding, they're going to win. Is the way I look at it. Yeah. And for the women, you know, it's two out of three sets, so you know, maybe it doesn't work as well if they're off for a set. Then Wozniak gets up, and she has the endurance factor too. But that's what I've always said about players like that is, you know, Ferrer has beaten all those top players except except Federer. But he's beaten Nadal. He's beaten, you know, Djokovic. He's beaten Walrinka. But he can't do that every match because one of those guys is going to have a day where they hit not, right, 80 not, winners. And not in a row. Right. Either. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Well, you know, and listen, Ferrer for a counterpuncher obviously hits way bigger than Wozniacki. Right. But I think Wozniacki is... Like her, her pace, the pace of her shots is closer to the pace of her competition. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Ferrer, I think it's a little further, oh, yeah. bigger gap in terms of the big hitters. And again, Serena notwithstanding. Well, that's what I was wondering when I saw her scores. Was she playing more aggressive or hitting more winners? Or was it just they were, she was grinding the points out until they made an error? Well, like, people, I think people are saying slow courts as if, as if to excuse everybody else losing, right. which is fine. Uh, it, it certainly could be a factor, but hey, damn it, we have different surfaces in tennis. It's all right. I mean, well, yeah, and they play on them all year long. It's not like it's some new surface well, yeah. center played on. Although apparently it was pretty slow. Yeah. It was pretty slow according to uh, uh, some other podcasts I've listened to. <laughs> but how do you explain, if that's the case, how do you explain a 37-year-old making the final who doesn't want to grind? I mean, she wants to hit winners and take control of points early, and she was able to make the finals, so. What are you talking about? Venus. Oh, gotcha. I mean, she's not a a grinder, baseline, just consistent player. So you would think the slow courts wouldn't favor her game. It's a great point. But she was playing the same player. Right. Except for Hollow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she didn't play. But I mean, in terms of who was in the tournament, yeah. why it didn't help them. Um, although I think Hollow tries to be yeah. a big hitter. She doesn't, you know, play to her 5-1 <laughs> stat. I don't know how tall she is. She's not tall. But, um, <laughs> well, and I did see the other news, which that was that she moved to number one to finish the year oh yeah it, quite an interesting year all the different people you had win grand slams <laughs> and who you had winning the tour finals and then you have a different number one right. it's all just mayhem yeah but i don't think it's bad i don't think there's any players although i never went with that argument of you're undeserving if you're number one and you haven't won a grand slam i'm no, not i didn't either i mean set up this the the whole season different if you don't want that i mean right the, she it's not like she cheated. It was weird for Wozniacki was probably the exception where that she was number one for so long without winning one. Like you've had people that be number one for a month or something, right? But the fact that she was number one for almost two years straight and never won that that was a little bit odd, right? right. But it also was that Serena and Venus didn't play as many tournaments, which was their choosing. You know, I mean, I do think you should get rewarded for playing more tournaments because that's better for tennis. Yeah, I, and again, talking about how to you know. What what the best scenario is in the current system, of course, obviously, the other option is to change it to what we want. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Right. Yeah, so did I know the courts were slow when I picked Wozniacki? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Um, you could have said yes. We wouldn't have known. You yeah, were researching just, up all night. Uh, yeah, I flew to Singapore uh, before <laughs> the pod. Um, no, no, I didn't. But uh, part of it, I think... You, obviously, you have Venus, who is a champion, but with her health issues, you, who knows? I mean, right. she's, she seemed to be able to deal with them this season, right? which is amazing. I, do they have a cure? I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that'd be awesome, uh, because I think she's had some great years of historical tennis stolen from her um, because of that Sjogren's uh, syndrome or whatever it is. Um, so maybe, you know, she's figured out a way to manage it better. I hope so. Right. I hope so, because, I mean... 
that that's been a, a big part of the the tour that's kind of hanging around and in the background but never really a factor right. because you know her her energy level is so inconsistent but um but yeah i, I like oh so no i didn't know it was, <laughs> the scores were slow but i just looked at the draw and i was like we've had you know there's good players and they've right. won matches and tournaments but uh <laughs> you know and, and i i just picture wozniak and i'm like okay Swimsuit Illustrated. Yes, that. I picture that. No, no, no. But I picture her as a number one player. Right. Somebody who has the confidence and can compete at that level. Um, you know, and this isn't a Grand Slam tournament. You know, right. in some sense, it may be more important to, you know, in, in a certain instance, but really it's not. I mean, if you gave her a choice on, you know, win the Grand Slam of your choice or win the Tour Finals, I'm, I'm sure she would yeah. pick, you know, uh, a Grand Slam. So maybe there's a little le- less pressure on her for that, and uh, and slow courts and just kind of you know who knows. Well, I think the format of this tournament too is a little bit different in that almost everybody in the tournament is going to lose one match, so it takes a different person to be able to bounce back from losing a match. Like we talked about last week, that Serena winning the year she won, one of the years she won, she got she lost to Halep the first match of the tournament, right. and then bounced back and just killed everybody all the right. way through. So certain players are going to be motivated by that. And certain players, maybe like Halep, who are not, you know, the most uh, emotionally stable or mentally stable when they lose, maybe can't come back the next day or two days later and play again. Yeah, I think it takes off the pressure when you know, okay, this match, you know, I don't have to win this match. Right. So she wins the first match. Okay, second match. I don't, I don't have to. Right. This win would lock me up, but I don't have to win this one. Oh, I won it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Then maybe I'll cruise for the third match. Yeah, which- and it's not... Which it almost looks like she did based on the scores. Like I said, I, yeah. she won the first five sets so easily, and then all of a sudden she loses uh, three, six, seven, five in the third match, which meant nothing. So I don't know if she's just practicing stuff. You wouldn't think she'd want to stay out there that long just for yeah, practice, but yeah, that's true. But um, I wondered how much all that plays in in this different than another tournament where there's so much pressure in each match because if you lose one, you're done. Right. Right. Well. You know, like I said, um, I'm a genius. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. We we have established that on many occasions. Right. And here's one more example um, that we can prove it. Um, and who cares about doubles, really? I, I mean, that's <laughs> not really. Uh, well, and to be fair, I had a seven out of eight chance of being right. You had a one out of eight chance of being right. So I think your your pick was a little more impressive than mine. Well, and she didn't call me. Yeah, Martina didn't call me and say, "Hey, by the way, Coach, um, I'm thinking about retiring." So, see, I did my research and I thought, you know what, this is probably her last tournament. Oh man, <laughs> she's gonna be emotional, right? Oh, what a bummer! So, yeah, so I blew that call. That was a terrible. She won her first round. She did, and then that was it. It was a terrible, terrible call on my part. Um, but again, I was fortunate enough to see her live at the U.S. Open, uh, the 2017 U.S. Open. Um, so, uh, I was actually, I would say I'm a better person for it. <laughs> well, I wonder if that was suspected by people because you were the one that told us that those courts were just packed every time she played. So I wonder if they just knew no. that I wouldn't think so. No, she's popular. Right. Dude, she's, I mean, number one in the world. Yeah. I mean, she was, you know, she was the Swiss miss doing Coke, winning matches. <laughs> well, and the singles draws were a little thinner too. Stepping on beads. Um, yeah. as the young Williams sisters were coming up with beads in their hair flying right. all over the courts. I don't know if she was ever one to complain. I bet your mom was. I was about to say, Ugh. she was kind of a complainer. Yeah, I bet your mom complained about it. Uh, I remember those days. You remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. When, yeah. I tell um, them, I use that example when I try to explain, you know, let, let's to people that don't understand, you know, why if they drop the racket, why can that be a let and that kind of thing. I said, right. well, remember back when, you know, 20 years ago now, when they had beads in their hair. It, 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 20 years ago is right. <laughs> It's and, scary to think it was 20 years ago. But. Well, it's amazing to see what happened, you know, with Hingis going from number one in the world and a you know and a threat at every every Grand Slam tournament to and, and including against players who could hit big. Right. I mean, Davenport. I was going to say she beat Davenport Pierce, many times. You know, I mean, Capriotti. You know, Capriotti. So there were players that you know she was dealing with with power, just not like the Williams sisters. Um, I would actually wonder who's older between Venus or Hingis. It's got to be pretty close. Yeah, I think Hingis is older. Yeah, but they're—I bet they're not that far apart. That's Maybe. like that's like Roddick is younger than Federer, and Federer is still on the tour. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting that uh, just the philosophy people have. You know, some people can't handle being, you know, not a top five player, and not that Venus wants to be. You know, 
20 in the world or whatever, but obviously she still has that motivation even when she is 15, 20, 25 to still go out and play tournaments. Right. Whereas I feel like some people can't, you know, Hewitt stayed on the tour until he was in the, out of the top hundred. Whereas Roddick, once he dropped out of the top 20, he said, you know, I'm done. I don't want to be, I don't want to be hanging around in the first round of grand slams, even though he's obviously still could or could for the next couple of years. Yeah. Right now. Right. Yeah. Easily. I mean, with some of the guys that are playing now in winning matches, the guys he's beaten. What do you mean? Do you are you, wait a second? Do you mean to tell me this is the weakest era in the history of men's tennis? Wait a minute! I can't say that's that. bullshit. Rebecca will kill me next week. I can't. That is bullshit. <laughs> well, what I can tell you after extensive research, our stat team is on it. Uh, Venus Ebony Star Williams, born June seventeenth, nineteen eighty. Okay. Okay. Making her thirty-seven years old. Yes. Older than me. She is a couple months older than Martina Hingis. Right. September 30, 1980. So they are 37. You're a genius. And so but remember, could have played. True. But remember, because uh, Venus and Serena's dad had them playing a very limited schedule. Right. Even they, when they were old enough where they could have played more. Oh, definitely. And then Hingis' mom was out there with a whip. <laughs> Get out there. Well, and she was even playing doubles. I mean, not the Williams do play doubles occasionally, but Hingis was playing probably every tournament doubles, um, you know, and she was, she, she got to number one by playing so many tournaments and doing well. She wasn't, yeah. she never played the limited schedule and then she just quit altogether. Well, here's what I want to know. How selfish of her to announce her retirement <laughs> on Wozniacki's big day or, or around that well, That's when you said that. Hey, I didn't even know about it. That's messed up. Well, obviously nobody cared. Yeah. So she's popular to go watch people, but you know what it is? I think people... You know, the U.S. Open, maybe smaller tournaments wouldn't be this way, but the U.S. Open, you have so many people showing up right. that you only recognize, you know, a handful of names, and she's certainly one you recognize. Oh, yeah. And so, because she's been around so long, et cetera. Now, Caroline Wozniacki, I mean, she hadn't been around as long, but people recognize her because of the swimsuit edition. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Yeah. And, Ro- and right. Rory McIlroy. Rory McElroy, yeah. Right. Well, and don't be shocked if you see Federer Hingis 2020. Olympics. Of course, I don't think they ever played together before, so there may be some reason behind that, but that would be, you would think that would be an incredible doubles team, even even two and a half years from now. Mixed doubles. We can (laughs) can separate gender when it comes to a multi-gender sport. We can say one male, one female. It's all right. Um, Yeah, so Wozniacki, congratulations. I hope this means you're going to be painted, uh, have a painted bikini on for the 2018 swimsuit edition. (laughs) Uh, to get ready for your next season. Obviously the key to success. It could be. It's probably a key to other success and other money <laughs> right. and other stuff. I mean, look at Eugenie Bouchard. She's probably making a ton more money from all her whatever else she does, all her millions of Twitter followers, et cetera, et cetera, than she does in tennis, obviously. Yeah, way more. That's way no more. contest. I mean, she's smoking hot, though. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? But uh, speaking of her, I tweeted her. Is that what you call it? Well, tell my wife. Oh, wait, tweeted. No, 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 we're yeah. fine. Um, I tweeted her yes. to, uh, she She had some picture in a Baywatch outfit, I guess a Halloween okay. type thing. I don't know. Does Canada have Halloween? I don't know. I, I guess. I'm assuming. Everybody does, don't they? I don't it's know. It's really cold to trick or treat, but I guess they yeah, you know. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I tweeted at, at her, I think at Eugenie Bouchard, you, you do that, and told her to stop begging for uh, attention and retweet my podcast. <laughs> Sure, she got. I'm sure she got right on it. She didn't retweet my podcast. Yeah, our podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so that didn't go so well. But uh, but yeah, but hey, I don't begrudge her for making money. No, you know, I, I mean, mean, why is it her fault that she that people want to pay her? Well, just because I am interested in her working harder on the tennis court to get you know get back to the level she you know top thirty type player yeah. she was doesn't mean that's what she wants to do. I mean, there's other players behind her. Why don't they de- deserve a spot? You know, in the top 30 and not her. So, well, she made three consecutive Grand Slam semis, which I don't know that any woman has done that since then. There's been some pretty erratic results since she did that. So that it was impressive. Right. And I don't see why she couldn't get back to that because that's that's something that's lacking on the tour now is just consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would imagine if you're the poster girl for tennis because of your looks, maybe you worry that it's more that than tennis and so there's some pressure there and it's not fun and you know you kind of probably have to you're more controlled by your handlers and 
and whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm spitballing here. I'm speculating. Or but, maybe uh, the off-court stuff is more fun than, you know, practicing six hours a day. And That's probably true. That's probably true. It's so, like, hey, I can get paid twice as much for going and taking pictures than I can going out in the court. And, and I get way more attention for it. Right. Which is what I told her on the tweet. <laughs> and it didn't work. Yeah. So I could be wrong. I don't think I am. Well, speaking of smoking hot tennis players. Yes. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Do you play tennis? <laughs> Not uh, anymore. See, that, but I, I, did, I didn't uh, <laughs> say you weren't smoking hot. Um, no, speaking of smoking hot tennis players. Well, I'll tell you about that when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back. And I know that was the sexy tease. We call that in the biz, <laughs> by right. the way. Um, maybe I was a little over the top with you never hot, sexy, whatever, or or maybe inappropriate. <laughs> uh, because what I was referring to was league ladies. Le- you heard me. Ladies play tennis. Unbelievable. <laughs> so Rebecca's not here now. That's you right. really get to be yourself. Yeah, exactly. Pig. No, no, league ladies. Uh, That's all I do all day, every day is teach ladies to play tennis, league ladies. Well, well, here's what. So I dealt with some league players um, over the weekend. And not in a bad way. Maybe for them. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, There was no groping involved, I swear. Yes. But um, let me tell you something. Just kind of talking back and forth about, you know, because I'm not into that scene. I coach college, so I don't deal on the club side too much. Um, you know, I haven't really in the past a whole lot, but let me tell you something, man, here's what the U S open should do. They should cancel the U S open. Okay. For 2018, (laughs) just cancel it. Yeah. Shut it down. It's it's kind of failing anyway, isn't it? The, the facility down in Florida, that new 1000 court, whatever monstrosity (laughs) they have, that's still not on Google maps. You go to where it's at on Google maps and it's a swamp right next to the airport. (laughs) Come on, Google, get your stuff. That's really going to work well for the court service, I'm yeah. sure, after a couple of years. Oh, yeah, no kidding. So just bulldoze that. Turn it back. Give it back to the Gators down there at <laughs> Lake Nona. Um, so get rid of that. Get rid of any high performance, you know, the training centers. All Get rid of all that. Get rid of Quick Start or 10 and under tennis, whatever the hell they call it. Right. Now. Get rid of net generation, by the way. <laughs> get rid of that. Get yeah. rid of all of it. Just focus on all of your resources on league ladies they are running they are just everything that you would need in terms of growing this game they're already doing it definitely a trillion of them out there playing right and they play a billion times a week right it's ridiculous and gee what do they do they get their kids to take lessons they get their husband out of the court for mixed doubles you know they're they're the ones driving the people to the courts there's no way in hell i'm getting out there playing mixed doubles (laughs) are you out of your mind um, yeah, it's, but, but a lot of us get pulled, us get pulled into doing that. Uh, but I think they're the ones that are, you know, if your husband wants a wife to go do something, oh, forget, it, I'm not doing that. But if the wife says, honey, I want you to go out and play mix. Okay. You know, so we get pulled into it. All right. We'll have to have some marriage counseling here <laughs> soon before your, before your yes. wedding here in the, in the winter. Um, yeah, they're driving at least, listen, we're in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So it's warm weather, almost, almost year round. And and really kind of year-round because hit or miss during January and February can be right. warm. Uh, and we can be back out on the courts nonstop the second week in February. Oh, and we're never, I mean, I would say we're never consistently off the courts. Right, exactly. We're going to get one or two good days every week year-round. Right. So, um, so it may be a little different here because of that, just like SoCal or a lot of southern states, Florida as well. But, uh, but man, the numbers are just astounding um, in terms of, because uh, I was just kind of talking to this this woman about all the different leagues they have. Because it's not just USTA. Um, oh, definitely. Which, of not. course, you know that. But right. you know, um, all of the uh, Eugenie Bouchard followers who are going <laughs> to hear this after she retweets it, right. um, may not know. You know, there's more than just the USTA out there. 
Um, and in fact, here, USDA is not the dominant league. It may be in other cities, but Atlanta, you know, USDA is not the right. dominant league. We know that. Right. And I'm sure a lot of big cities is probably not. If right. they have a good, solid, um, you know, uh, community tennis association, then it's prob- they're probably organizing and doing programming that better suits their needs, whereas USTA is cookie cutter, right. you know, here, do this and whatever, whereas... They can tweak what you know. We have a doubles only league, right? That's that's a whole. There's a whole season of oh, just yeah. four women's doubles matches. Well, and not that we would ever bash the USTA on this podcast, but they were a little bit late to the party when it comes to team tennis. I mean, a lot of these team leagues have been around you know twenty, thirty years, whereas USTA really hasn't been doing that, right? Right. And like you said, they still don't do doubles only leagues, which to me is what ladies especially want to play. In my well, they experience, just wreck players top to bottom, right? And again, you know, just so I don't get yelled at to make the distinction between rec player is not a negative. It just means you are not a competitive player in terms of getting uh, paid. <laughs> well, moving towards that yeah. level. Um, you, of course, you're trying to get better. Of course, you're trying to kill the bitch across the net from you. We got it. <laughs> and win your league and all that. And, yeah, win your league and, and not get moved up. Um, that's a whole separate <laughs> issue. Um, that's a different, that's a winter podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, but it's. Uh, it's like it goes back to what I always talk about is that the USTA has its, you know, so many irons in the fire that none of them, they don't really, again, the US Open, obviously, that's their biggest iron in the fire and it funds everything else. So obviously, do that, continue to do it well, continue to innovate, continue to grow, you know, attendance and sponsorships and money because it all ultimately trickles down to the, uh, to the to the states and the sections, but there's so many other things they do. And they spend resources and time and money on, and they don't need to. Right. Grassroots is starts. It starts right in your local community with ladies leagues. Well, and it's like you said. How many different things can you do really well? Like just focus on the ones that are going to help the sport the most, and don't try to run everything. Like there's other. Like you said, there's organizations in big cities that run leagues already. You don't need to run a competing league. Like let those organizations run something. You run something that no one else does. That's I think you just said exactly. The problem with the USTA is, and they and I and they they admit this, or people that have have been part of their uh, system working there admit this, is that a lot of times they don't know how to proceed in their position because they are stepping on toes, whether right. it's the high performance coaching program in, in the national coaches that you know players you know if, if you are coaching a junior and, and they're at a high level well they're going to also have access to the national coaching system well where does where does coach Corey fall into all this right. you know they've got more resources than you can even begin to think about you know they've got specialists from every aspect of of training somebody and you don't right i mean you know everything so you don't, you are the specialist, yeah. but you know, so they, so it's just the same thing with, you know, they have, they're going to have the uh, resources and wherewithal to um, build better databases for all their leagues, score reporting, yeah, facilities, you know, facilities, all that kind of stuff. They're going to kind of just come in like a bull in a China shop, kicking stuff around. And I think this is one area that really shows, Hey, USTA, we don't need you for everything. Get out of most of the stuff. Right. You giant pains in the ass, sons of bitches. <laughs> well, and so one of the kind of side topics to this is, so one of the big selling points of USDA is get on a team and we're going to help you, you know, win your league and advance to the city championship. And then we're going to advance to the state championship. And then we're going to advance to the national championship. So it's all, no other, you know, a Dallas league can't do that or a Atlanta league can't do that. They're just that city. So the big advantage to USDA is supposed to be that you have all this advancement set up. But to me, it's just completely unnecessary. What do you need to be able to go play the other players in your state? Because it's by levels anyway. Right. So, yeah. So, first of all, it's a little bit tricky to be number. So, let's say you're number one in the country as a 3-0. Right. Doesn't that mean you're a, probably a 4-0? Yes. I mean, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's like... So to have a national event for levels that aren't open... Right. It's completely pointless. ...is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, it's not pointless from a marketing standpoint, but you're exactly right. That's a carrot that they have. Right. That, now, now, that's not to say that Dallas couldn't call 
uh, you know, San Antonio and Fort Worth and Austin and Houston and say, hey, we have a, you know, a doubles only league for women by level and we get finished and we like maybe one more or two more rounds to just see, you know, kind of put ourselves up against a group right. of people within a group of people or a system that are all relative to each other. Because like a three O in Texas is usually going to beat a three O in Minnesota. No offense, which, which Minnesota. Is a, another reason why it's so stupid. If I took our level ten ladies team from and played the now level, explain 10, what level ten is. That's two. Well, let's just say there are sixteen levels. Is what there are in uh, Dallas. Right. Level ten would be closer to the bottom. So toward the bottom, yeah, and right. let's say let's play the tenth best league team from San Antonio. Well, they might only have 12 leagues or they might only have 13, right. le- you know, 13 levels. So it doesn't prove anything that our level 10 beats their level 10 because they're not the same. Right. Right. Open is the only way you can really right. do that kind of stuff where it's like the best person is is standing at the end. Now go play the other best person standing at the end or, or best team uh, standing at the end. Right. But it's it. listen, I see Facebook uh, posts and tweets and whatever. I don't really do Instagram. I do. But. You know, as we've determined, I don't even know what the password is to it. I, I'm, I'm still there. Um, but I see posts all the time on all those different social media places with league teams holding up banners. Right. You know, and they're at some, you know, national event and, you know, they won the whatever, 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 national, whatever. And it's like, there's a lot of whatevers in there. <laughs> so you didn't just win the whole thing. No. Oh, no, no, there was 78 other levels here <laughs> right. winning a national whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Well, and so they literally have national championships going on this entire month and next month for all the different levels and ages and regions. Now, and do, does the USTA pay for that? No. So they don't pay for travel? I think they give you a tiny amount, like a couple hundred dollars for the entire team to travel. Wow. So they make you $500 for your team. Well, it's going to cost each person probably $500 to get to Arizona or Las Vegas or Hawaii or wherever it is. Right. And Hawaii. so you don't have to pay anything once you're there. Hawaii? Yeah, they do. They've done them in Hawaii before. Well, they don't house them either, right? No, you got to pay everything when you're there. So it's so, like... So all you don't pay is an entry fee. Right. And for balls. Right. And court time. That's it, yeah. So you could go there and, and you know, basically pay about $100 more and just play there normally in a regular tournament. Right. And obviously this doesn't have the, the supposed prestige, but... Yeah, I just don't get that. To me, that's not a carrot for me, but for a lot of people it is, so I guess... It is, obviously, because they all do it. Right. And I don't want to shit on the USTA National 3-0, right. you know, I, I don't even know what they're all called, but if you're an, if you're the number one team in 3-0, you're 4-0, right. or 4-5, or whatever you are, so... Um, and that's not even talking about sandbagging. Right. That's just talking about... Because the way the system works is it's a relative system. Right. If you all right, if you're if you're out there listening and you've ever bitched about the NCAA preseason rankings for football, <laughs> right. okay? So Alabama comes out as number 1, even if they didn't win the national title right. last year. And they haven't played a single play. They haven't played a single game. They've lost players, they've picked up recruits, they've lost coordinators and other coaches have come and gone, whatever. I mean, so it's a it's a different year. It's a it's a different team. Even the same players have changed. Right. So if you've bitched about the preseason rankings, because basically my contention is this. If if you take all the rankings over a 10-year period and you play those seasons out, but instead of Alabama starting at 1, Alabama started at 10 and Oregon right. started at 1 yeah. or whoever in certain years, then the year end is going to look different too. Right. Well, that's because it's a relative system, and part of it is where you start matters a hell of a lot. Well, this uh, is this is the same situation. I mean, the, the NTRP ratings are a relative system. Any any system's a relative right. system, and so what that means is is you. Well, they used to do. You probably remember this. You're not old, but you're old enough to remember this. <laughs> when you would go get a, an NTRP rating, you would go to a rating clinic, right? And you would hit and play, and then the pro would uh, would basically have a little checklist watch you play right. and basically confirm that yeah she sucks enough but she doesn't suck bad enough right so she's right in here <laughs> right. or she's too good let's put her she said she's you know because you self-rate first right. and then you know whatever and then you go and so you do all that at least you had an eyeball on you and yeah. if you were going to sandbag oh baby you had to act 
Yeah, because a lot of pros are going to be able to tell just from the strokes or even from the way you act on the court. There's a lot of kind of clues that we can get from right. players to know what their level is. Right. Um, now it's all online, mm-hmm. and so you basically essentially fill out your resume, and based on that resume, you sort of, you know, some key things are hit, and it tells you what your rating is. So right. for like, if you've played college tennis, boom, you are are automatically at a certain level, right. even if you're not at that level. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of colleges out there even Corey could play at. <laughs> no, wait a second. That was wrong. Yes. Um, no, no, no. But it, anywhere from a 2.5 NTRP rating to a 6.5 right. NTRP rating, there are colleges for you. Absolutely. I've, so you I've can played be a, some of them. Yeah, you <laughs> can be a 2.5 or a 3.0 and be on a college team, but you won't be rated 2.5 or 3.0. Yeah, they'll stick you at usually 4-5 if you play right, college. Right, 4-5 or better, right. depending on the level. So that's skewed. So right. now you're in there getting your ass kicked all over the place for a year or so until you finally get down to the proper level, and then you can start from there. Um, but it's a relative system. Again, so getting back to that, it's you, know, you're, you, you sort of figure out what your level is, and then the only people we have to verify sort of that level are the people within your city – and to some degree within your state or section right. that you compete against, and that's it. Yeah. Sort of an insular system. Maybe every now and again there's a couple little people that play out other places, right. and you can kind of get True. pieces of information, but not enough. Not enough data it's to make still, a difference. At least here, it's still within your state always. I mean, I guess right. you could play national events, but 99% of players just play with their own state. Or in other sections right. for USTA. Yeah. Some sections are made up of multiple states. but And that's not even counting several college players I, I've known about that play on league teams that quote unquote win or lose close right. to make sure they stay within that ranking. And everybody everybody can do that. Every, you hear stories about that. For, you go ask any league lady. Well, and I kind of go back to your college analogy. Let's say that you, your college team next season, you know, you saw your players and you kind of thought in your mind, okay, I think we're going to be this good. Well, imagine if instead of you being in the same conference every season – they gave you the option at the beginning of every season what level you wanted to be in. Right. You know, some coaches are going to want to be in the bottom level so they can say, oh, I won the conference championship at so-and-so. And then some are going to say, you know, I really want good competition. We want to play Division One against you know, the biggest schools. So that's kind of, they've put it all in the players' hands, and all it takes is a handful of players to say, you know, I really want to win the lower level. Right, and, so they choose, so they're more, and, and I will tell you this, again, you know, I think we've talked about this on podcasts gone by, but I have no problem with you being at a certain level and wanting to stay at that level because it's right in your wheelhouse. Right. You don't win every match. You don't lose every match, but it's competitive, and that's what you're there for. Exercise, you know, the and social. all your friends are that level. The and, social aspect of it, uh, and then also just playing the game of tennis, which is a wonderful game, whether you're trying to kill the person across the net from you or not. It's still a wonderful game. So you can have those lady and gentleman type um, league matches and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, but well, I don't have a problem with that until that team goes to nationals like we talked about. Right. And then you shouldn't have the option to stay down in that level and go back to nationals again and again and again. Well, and the downside is that's an argument within the current system. Right. When in reality your argument is I'll just stop it. Just stop yeah. at the section. Right. The section and that's it. Yeah. Because then, I mean, I doubt I doubt people are going to spend a year or two, you know, playing down just so they can be their city champion. But oh, there, right, right. But I there see are some that would. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's less likely when the quote unquote stakes aren't as high, right? Because I don't see that in in that ladies' league we talked about with the four. I don't see players playing way down so they can be the champion of their league, right? But I do, I do. So the only forum I do see that is in USDA. Well, yeah, so like, uh, for instance, a 4-0 would play, would sandbag a little bit and play 3-5 all year round right. so they can make it to nationals and maybe win nationals. Whereas in, if you're in the what's called TCD here, there's no reason to sandbag and go down to level 11 just so you can win level 11 because as soon as you win level 11, you're back up to level 10 anyway. Right. So And nobody's going to be congratulating you for winning level 11. <laughs> right. Oh, so because one's the highest. Right. Guess, right. Well, and, and, you know, we talked about the same thing in terms of juniors. You know, my mentor, uh, Coach Creasy, former Clemson coach, now Citadel coach, um, you know, he, he wants to see the juniors get rid of age brackets and have two age brackets. Yeah. You know, 14 and under, 18 and under. And 
I think particularly on the men's side, just because the growth spurts and, and size can be dramatically different between a 16 and 18 year old and a 12 year old. So it's kind of, you know, so you have to have that gap, you know, instead of just having all wide open, any right. age can play because you don't want a 12 year old playing at 18. But, you know, but for the women too, I mean, that's a pretty good distance and range. But, you know, if you did 18, basically 15 to 18, or you can play up if you want, if you're 14, whatever. But now you're not just kind of winning a, a national event that's got 10 qualifiers right. in front of it. You know, yeah. the, you know the, the 15, 16 boys, you know, left-handed, one-shoe <laughs> national tournament on Thursdays. Yeah, mixed between, doubles. Yeah, I mean, for the – in that – and we're talking about – League tennis, this is, you know, for the juniors, you are talking about competitive. You're yeah. talking about, hey, if you want to do rec kid stuff, recreational kid stuff, the grow the game kind of stuff, the participation stuff, the num- this type that pushes numbers up and gets them to spend more money in our industry, buying rackets, buying balls, buying shoes, clothes, that makes our game more healthy for people like you that make money doing it and people like me that recruit those kids. Right. Um, well, I really wouldn't be recruiting those as much, but yeah, then do all the age groups you want because it's rec. And like you said, have everything stop at the sectional level. Yeah. Um, or the city level or depending on what it is. Um, only for that quote-unquote open level. And if you're 14 or under, I don't expect you to play 18-year-olds. Right. Just like men and women. Oh, don't get me started. You know, <laughs> so the, the boys and girls should be separate as well because if you're the best boy in the country, it shouldn't have any qualifiers in front of it. Right. Well, and that would make it much better, much easier for colleges to figure out. I mean, we don't, we're not going to be able to tell if someone's the number six, you know, like you said, boys sixteen in Minnesota, how good he's going to be compared to the number, you know, ten kid in you know Arkansas. There's just it's too hard to figure out, right? Based on ages, and then you know, just put everybody in the same bracket. And yeah, if you finish, you know, if you're ranked a hundred at the end of the year, well, and you're fifteen, well, you got three more years to improve that ranking, and other people are going to fall off because they age out. See, that's why I wish the UTR would listen to this podcast and listen to me, but only when I say good stuff. Don't listen to the bad <laughs> stuff I said about the UTR. But if they didn't get in bed with the USTA, I don't know if they are or not. I don't know how much they are. But if they could stay away from the USTA and start their own leagues, because the UTR, Universal Tennis Rating, is a rating you know, similar to the NTRP, but it's, it's um, I think... The it, it's a computer generated algorithm, you know what? It, or, right. I, I don't even know. <laughs> All right, I got to take a nap now. I just said algorithm. I don't know how I came up. You with that. said it correctly too. You're yeah. learning a lot from this podcast. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if they started their own leagues, you know, they that would be huge, right? You know, because now you're talking about a 16. And the levels you were talking about for the doubles, one through 16, right. has nothing to do with no. UTR. That's just the that's just the way they do it here because they have 16 levels of players. Right. There could be 17, 18, depending on how many players there and, are. And the, it doesn't equate to it, – it, it lightly equates to the NTRP right. sort of level, but not really. But, no. but the UTR is a, a more comprehensive rating system, I think, than NTRP. NTRP goes up by the half point, so 2.0, 2.5, 3.0, 3.5, right. and so on. And – the UTR goes to 16.5, right. but it goes, you could be a 16.38. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, usually I don't think anybody's a 16.5. Yeah. It's usually because you don't go undefeated. You're not, a, you don't have a perfect season. Right. I guess like maybe when Djokovic, if he played every tournament that year, a couple of years ago, and won, he won almost everything. If he, he was won, probably pretty close. If he won everything, I guess he'd have been a 16.5. But you lose one match, obviously. It's like your GPA. Right. You got A A's <laughs> all the way. You got four O. You get one B, and all of a sudden, how do you have a two point seven? <laughs> but uh, not that I'm telling. I was going to say there's some bitterness there. Nah, it's a little high for my GPA to be honest with you. <laughs> well, but a little bit, you would have the same issue though, because let's say you said, okay, this is UTR division, you know, thirteen to fourteen. Well, somebody's going to win that division, and so when they win, do they become a fourteen point oh? Do they do they stay in that level and win again the next year? You know, do they go to 14 and then lose on purpose and go back to 13 well, again? Well, again, that's wreck, right. and it stops at your area. Yeah, so then there's no reason. You just, you're just you the best you know, in that range, and then you go up to the next range the next season. So what we're saying is get rid of the USTA, <laughs> stop at the state level. Right. Uh, which is easy for us to say in Texas because we have a lot of tennis and a lot of, True. You know, a lot of time to play it. Um, tell Minnesota that you know, right. like eight players in Minnesota. I don't know why I keep picking on Minnesota. No, no, I, we're all I over picture, Minnesota today. I picture cold and snow and not playing tennis. Right. I picture Minnesota. <laughs> I guess that could be Wisconsin, Wyoming, 
Montana. So any of those will do. Michigan. Right. Why not? The New England, all the, the yeah. entirety of New England. Not much outdoor tennis. All of places. Canada. <laughs> Who else? Anybody else? I don't know. Siberia. Wait a minute. Sharapova. <laughs> I had to get a Sharapova reference in there. So league ladies are the best. They are driving our game. Well, and they, you know, in America. To talk about get psychological briefly with four o guys, a four o guy, a four five guy. They don't want lessons. They don't want new rackets. They don't want string. You know, they they know everything already, so they don't care about. They're not growing the game financially. They're they're playing a lot, so they're occupying the courts and they're playing in leagues and tournaments and things. But a league lady, you know, is going to want to try new rackets. They're going to want to get all the nice clothes. They're going to get the equipment. They want lessons and drills, and they want to get their kids into tennis. You know, so I think from a financial standpoint, they're also growing the game. What what do the numbers look like, men to women? Just in your small, you know, in your oh, sphere. I would say probably there yep. are three to four times as many women playing as men competitively. Wee. But again, their guys may just go out and play recreationally and not right. Get we might counted for anything. Right, we might not see them. Sure, wow, that's uh, and part of it is is the popularity of other sports for women is not as high. Right. I mean, because if you go to golf, it's probably ten to one, maybe eight oh, to yeah. one, I would men to women, more, to, more than ten to Could one. Could be, I, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just spitballing, but it seems like it's a significant difference. Obviously, football is a huge sport in America. Sorry, I'm not watching women's football, <laughs> right? Even lingerie football. I mean, my my <laughs> chauvinism only goes so far. I'm kidding. I, I don't. It goes farther. I, I definitely don't watch it though. Seriously. No, I wouldn't watch. Was well, Nike on swimsuit? Yes. But yeah, I see what you're saying that there's only so many sports that women can play. So, you know, they all gravitate towards tennis. All right, let me clarify that, please, for everybody out there. <laughs> Not that they, they can, can play, that they, they want to play. They can do anything. That there's opportunities as well. Right. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, I don't want to get into this whole debate for the love of God. I have feminist <laughs> blogs blowing me up. By the way, I do listen. Oh, my God. I listen to a couple podcasts just to punish myself with some feminist stuff. Sports, sports related and just, oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's not that bad out there, ladies. I swear <laughs> it's not that bad out there. Yeah. Um, Just come to a, watch a women's tennis match. You're going to see how many there are. But, yeah, so you take a look at, you know, uh, clarifying your remark. There's not – the opportunity slash demand, you know, hasn't equalized to where other sports – you know, I mean, because you go to a basketball league or what – I don't know how basketball works, but I would imagine there's ten times more – boys and got in men's right. leagues than women yeah um fo- as it, obviously football there's really not a women's equivalent to that i mean you got baseball softball is pretty popular right and it's, i don't know volleyball volleyball which, women would probably 20 to 1 right. women to men soccer's um, probably fairly even and i think part of the reason for volleyball is those shorts really <laughs> they just hurt um well a lot of schools don't even have boys volleyball right at least not here yeah. where, where they have beaches they do but right. uh well, yeah. So, but you know, so volleyball is a good one. Um, but you know, my, you know, I can't think of any other sports that are dramatically um, the other way for women. Um, don't say cheer. Well, and I'll be the one to make the sexist comment. And I don't for say the sexist though, because cheer is not a sport. Sorry, right. sorry. Don't kill me. <laughs> no, it's we're af- we're it's both going to get in trouble. It's here. an athletic endeavor. Yeah, but it's not. I a sport. agree with you. It's an athletic endeavor, and it's not a sport. And maybe one day I'll tell you about my experience <laughs> as a cheerleader. But oh, go man. ahead. Let's, let's see what you're... Well, I was comment. just going to say that women, a lot of women are stay-at-home, some by choice. You son of a bitch. And so they have the ability to play tennis all day. Right. Whereas men are locked in, a lot of men, from you know 6 to 9 p.m. on the weekends. So there's just a smaller window they have, so they, they can't equal the volume of the ladies just because of the time. Ladies, please send all email correspondence <laughs> to Corey is a pig. Uh, at at com. No, please. <laughs> um, no, no, I hear what you're saying. I mean, whether whether uh, society is holding women back or not is irrelevant. If you just look at the data, <laughs> right. that is the case. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of two-family households. Yeah. Well, they don't, uh, I mean, they don't offer household. a daytime men's league. I'll put it that way. Two working. Right. It's not right. The demand's not there. If there was one, then then we could have the numbers truly, but there isn't one now. So we've got you know, hundreds of teams in the DFW so what, area. So what you're getting at is that more women play recreational tennis than men. Right. League tennis. At least in an organized manner. Yeah. Um, which you would think would be overall because it's hard to get onto a court, not in an organized fashion. Exactly. Um, Outside of just public parks. Right. And- right. So, um, yeah. So, you know, USTA, don't just take them for granted. Don't just take league ladies for granted. 
um, or actually do take it for granted and get out of the league business and right. let these big cities handle it with their community tennis associations or other groups that want to put leagues together because all you're doing is competing and potentially hurting the growth of some leagues. Well, and I think the amount of players that care about going to state, national, all that is is a small percentage. So maybe those players just need their own. Make make the national tournaments invitational or where, you know, Hey, if you want to sign your team up and go play nationals, go ahead. It's five hundred bucks, and you're in, right? And you can represent Dallas, right? Or we'll have a one weekend playoff for all the teams that care about going to state nationals, and whoever wins that goes to nationals. Well, and that's, you know, the reason I brought up league ladies. Besides, they're hot, <laughs> and also there's a billion of them, right? And they're driving our game, but it just illustrates where growth in our sport can really have an impact and that's at the local grassroots recreational level the usta needs to let it go right dumping money down the drain to basically have players end up at division one right with a scholarship whether it's a crappy school or not and instead focus on grassroots now is grassroots going to necessarily uh spawn us champions uh at the highest levels no Right. No, of course. There's a whole nother uh, set of things that have to happen for a player to go from, hey, this is a tennis racket. Oh, let me try that. To competing, you know, at college a, or, or or beyond really right. is what matters beyond. Um, but that's uh, that's a, a very complex and in, uh, labor intensive. And I don't mean obviously from the player, of course but also from the people around that player trying to help them get there. That's a labor-intensive process. Right. And ultimately, you can't do it from White Plains, New York, or right. Lake N- Nona, Florida. You have to do it in your local club, your local academy, or whatever. I mean, we're, we're fortunate in, te- in uh, Texas. We have a bunch of elite training facilities around Texas. Right. And while they might have been, to some degree, uh, hamstrung with uh, the title of USTA training facility or regional <laughs> or whatever crap they do, they they don't need that. No matter of fact, the USTA needs them more than they need the USTA because they're already doing it. These academies are already doing it, and so the USTA doesn't need to be all up in that business. What the USTA needs to focus on is duplicating what league tennis is doing with the ladies leagues, and 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 duplicate that with kids, right. duplicate that with whatever. And I don't know that rebranding a program and calling it net generation and <laughs> slapping it all over every tournament is going to do it. Well, and what I was going to say is instead of trying to stomp on a, something that's already successful by competing with it or taking players away from it, why not, you know, reach out to that group and say, you know, Hey, we want to get in touch with your lady, you know, the 350 teams that we have in Dallas, instead of trying to take those players away and put them in other leagues, why not just reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, why don't you get your kids in a USDA program or get right. your husbands under this or whatever. You know, you don't need to, don't need to try to add an additional league that's going to eventually, you know, just make all of them. We don't need a bunch of small leagues. In other words, we need one giant league right. where everybody wants to be in it because it's so popular, as opposed to a bunch of spinoffs. Right. Like I've always said, people join country clubs um, for golf because they want an empty course. People join tennis clubs because they want courts full. Right. So the more people you can get coming up through the, you know, the ground, you know, from the ground up, so to speak, the more popular and the more healthy our sport's going to be and that can actually be done without having a Pete Sampras and Agassi you know having an error like that that helps obviously that helps obviously but you can do it without it and guess who's proven it league ladies across the country y'all are the best and I'm not just saying that because you're hot Is that fair? Sounds good. All right. So we have once again saved tennis. Uh, once again. Oh, we didn't talk about the pro men. Eh, who cares? Ah, that's next week. Basel. It's coming up. Basel. <laughs> um, Fetter, you're still not the greatest ever. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else? That's it. Rebecca, what do you got? Oh, nothing. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, by the way, good news. Well, not yet, but maybe by Tuesday. I've now got us pending on google play oh i don't even know what that means but that's another one <laughs> does that mean people have to buy our I, podcast no i don't oh, think okay. no, no no it's all free everywhere it's just another avenue for people who haven't gotten <laughs> out of the stone age and got an iphone <laughs> uh can listen to us so right. what are we on do you know oh uh what was the name of that stitcher stitcher there you go well iphone obviously uh, the itunes or iTunes, i whatever god i'm sounding so old 
We're on the phone, uh, the flip phone. <laughs> uh, what else? We're not on Androids. Well, no, no, no. Our Google Play works on Androids. Well, Stitcher does too. Okay, there you go. I'm also trying, I think we're on SoundCloud. That's right, there you go. I'm not sure about that, so somebody tweet me or whatever if we're on SoundCloud. I Listen. <laughs> Anything I, with cloud in the name, I don't understand. I, I hit links and buttons and cut and copy stuff into fields, <laughs> and I don't know what the hell happens, and all of a sudden we can get it on some other thing. And I'm not 100% sure how it all works. All of them has passwords. I don't remember any of the passwords. <laughs> it's amazing so, all our followers haven't been directed to some inappropriate websites. Well, listen, damn it. Subscribe. Don't just... Then you don't have to click anything. You, you just, really don't. It just comes to your phone. Right. Stitcher, hopefully SoundCloud, Google Play's pending, um, iTunes, um, who knows what else. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. Google but, Play. And soon to be Google Play. Go to those and subscribe to the podcast, damn it. Because right now, it's just literally, I'm basically walking around the streets handing out flyers. <laughs> uh, the digital equivalent of that is what I'm doing. So right. if you follow me on anything on the phone and you're sick of the billions of stuff I send out, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I literally have no... It's like every time I hit one, send one thing, I get one more download. Right. I was so going to say, pass it off to someone else and then we won't have to do all these things. So I send 5,000, so I get 5,000 downloads. It's like I have to do... But if you subscribe, then I, I can stop sending this crap to you. And share it, too. However you share yeah. it on whatever, send it to your friends. If we got all the league ladies in America, we'd be on ESPN next month. Like Barstool Sports? <laughs> yeah. We don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so anyway, so share it, TennisRevolutionPodcast.com. Um, all of those places we mentioned earlier, please go find it, share it, subscribe it. Don't block me on Twitter because you're sick of getting things. That's the only way I know how to do it. Just subscribe and you don't have to do it. It's still free, right? Right. We're paying Corey big bucks, but we do it yeah. out of the kindness of our heart. Um, so, all right. Well, that's it. So, I guess until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys. Maria, you're my league lady. <laughs>